Uh, ladies and gentlemen, introducing, officially speaking, with Edward and Eddie Hernandez. Welcome to Officially Speaking. I'm Edward Hernandez. And I'm Eddie Hernandez. And we have this week, we have a few fights to talk about. Let's start with uh, the fight that happened in England with Gerald Washington and Derek Chisova. Yeah, that was that was a good fight. I think that fight was basically a, a fight of, of, I think, just to keep the card busy because both of the guys are coming off losses. You know, uh, Gerald Washington has lost six of his last eight, and Derek... Tesora, Tesora, he he lost his last uh, four of four of his last seven fights. So they're just trying to keep the card going. Uh, it was a decent fight, though. I th- I thought it was a pretty decent fight. Yeah, I'm not really sure where Tesora uh, goes from here. He's 39 years old. Uh, he's had some shots at Fury and other fighters. Uh, I just don't know what's next for him, Washington. I think it's probably time for him to uh, call a career. Well, yeah, he's 41 years old. Um, but he he looks fresh though. He he doesn't look like he's a beat up forty one years old. He he started boxing late. Uh, he's a former football player at USC, and uh, you know he he looks in good shape. So uh, I think he's going to try to get a couple more paydays and you know to keep his career going. He had a decent showing, to say the least. So then we got to the main event. But before we get to that, Dylan White failed a drug test, so they had to have a late replacement, which was Robert Helanius. And uh, I'm not really sure what the expectations were with him. He was a late replacement. Um, yeah, week notice. He had a one-week notice. I'm sure he was in training. Uh, I think he was probably going to be on the card. I'm not really sure. But uh, he had a week notice. Uh, he took the money. And, you know, he, he did a pretty good showing. Mo- better than I think most people expected. You know, they went, what, seven rounds? Yeah. Seven rounds. Uh, he just wasn't busy enough. But how impressed were you of Joshua? Well, it's hard to say. I mean, it's a late notice replacement. This is his first time with a new trainer. No, that's uh, actually his second fight. Was it the second fight? Yeah. Yeah, and I think they used to spar him and Hellenius. So, you know, it's kind of hard to uh, judge him on the, that. As a whole, for the fight, it, it wasn't that impressive, but there's a lot of other things going on. So I'll give Joshua the benefit of the doubt. But, but, when, but when he did land, it was <laughs> he landed. Yeah, so nice shot. I know they're nice trying shot. to get a fight with uh, Deontay Wilder. So we'll hopefully we'll get that in December, January. That's going to be pretty explosive. Uh, you know, I, I watched uh, Wilder. He looks a lot faster. But, uh, you know, we could see. We're going to find out if Joshua could take a really good shot. Because uh, I think Wilder isn't afraid to, to mix it up. It might come down to who lands first or the best chin will win. But uh, I'm going to watch it. Oh, definitely. That's going to be a good watch. Good watch. But, again, that's another fight that should have happened years ago. Yeah, these guys – Wilder's getting pretty old, too. I think he's like 36, going on 37. Yeah, he's he's getting up there in the age. So, yeah, they need a – you know, Wilder better uh, start getting some of these bigger fights so he can, you know, continue. I mean, he's making a ton of money as it is, but, you know, get the big fights in. We're all still waiting for the – for Fury to to, uh, start fighting some of these real champions. Yeah, he's – He's going for the money for Ngano. Uh, nobody expects Ngano to win. It's a good payday from Saudi Arabia, and he took it. Yeah, yeah. And um, other champions? O- Osik. 
Usyk. 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 Yeah, he's still uh, waiting. He's got a fight coming up, but yeah, I, I think he wanted to fight Fury, so I, I would like to have seen that. But what about in the United States? We had a couple of good fights here in the, the good old USA. Well, we had a big fight in uh, Arizona. Arizona's starting to pick up some good fights. You know, they got another big show coming up uh, in a couple months, or I believe pretty soon. So, yeah, they're they're starting to pick up some fights there. I can't say I blame them. It's probably cheaper in taxes. So. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so they had um, Vargas' son fight. Yeah, Emilio Vargas. I've... Uh, Judging on the amateurs, he was pretty impressive, and he did his job on Saturday night. Yeah, he looks pretty sharp. He looks pretty sharp. He, he's, uh, but I think it's the competition, too. I mean, I, he, he leaves himself open pretty good, and uh, when he starts moving up in competition, competition, I think he's going to have to, uh, you know, start uh, tightening up that defense. And using his jab a little bit more, too. He's just mainly throwing power shots. Yeah, well, that's, you know, he fought a little guy that's 5'4", so he, he was there to take him. But the guy was tough. The guy he fought was pretty tough. Also, we had Richard Torres Jr. versus Willie Jake Jr. And Torres is a former Olympian, and he got a first-round knockout. Yeah, he's pretty tough. Uh, I I think that he he can go pretty far. The the only problem he has is his size, in my opinion. He's only 6'2". And, and you know, heavyweights now, boy, they're 6'8", 6'7". He's definitely a small heavyweight, so he's... You know he's quick though he's quick and and we'll see how he how hard he hits when he starts going up against the the top fighters up there. But he's working his way in there. And the co-main event, which was not scheduled to be the co-main event, but there was an injury, so they replaced them. Was Delgado against Valteria? Yeah, that was that fight was you know uh, uh, Delgado was supposed to knock the guy out, but the guy was pretty tough. His opponent. Uh, but, you know, I found an interesting story about Delgado. They were talking about it in the in the pre-fight, and they were saying that his he was uh, trained in Cuba. His father dropped him off in Cuba, and he said all the all the uh, Cubans wanted to beat up the Mexican fighter. So uh, he was going to the gyms over there and taking some beatings until he started learning how to fight better. So that's a, that's good experience, uh, fighting with the Cuban coaches. Jumping in the deep end. Yeah, so, you know, he was an Olympian. Mexico, so you know he, he, he's, they're going to move him up nice and slow. So we'll see what happens with him in the future. But the score across for that fight were ninety eight, ninety two, ninety nine, ninety one, and ninety nine, ninety one. So yeah, the officials were pretty consistent on that fight. So that you know that was a good job by the officials on that one. Then it was time for the main event. Yeah, that was the fight everybody had been talking about for a while the the Mexico clash. So everybody was looking forward to it and. I think it panned out pretty well. Navarrete against Valdez. So a lot of comparisons to uh, Barrera Morales. Yeah, I thought I thought the um, the fight was pretty good. There there a lot of action. There was a lot of action in there. Uh, at the end of the fight, we had the scores. The scores were kind of kind of wide. Uh, we actually, I actually scored the fight. I had it. I had a one six one fifteen one thirteen, and I had it one sixteen one twelve. And the official scores were, uh, we had a 118-110, 119-109, and 116-112. Uh, a little wide, but, you know, there was a really lot of close rounds that could have yeah, went either way. Yeah, there's at least two rounds, three rounds that either way, and that could explain the scorecards. Yeah, so, yeah, th- there was some really tough rounds in there, but I, I thought... 
I thought uh, Valdez won at least minimum two, three rounds. So I, I don't, I'm not too sure about the 119. But, you know, hey, where they sit, that's that's where they sit. And, you know, there's all kinds of things that get in their way. So, yeah, good fight. Uh, and actually we're going to have a... We're gonna have somebody who was involved in the fight coming on here in a minute. Should we get him on now? Yeah, let's uh, let's talk to him. All right, let's get him on. We have a special guest today. It's the referee from the Navarrete and Valdez fight, Wes Milton. He's got over 430 professional fights and over 10 world title fights. How you doing, Wes? Real good, real good. Thank you, Eddie. All right. So one of the questions I want to ask you is, how did you get involved with officiating? Well. You know, the, I've, I've been in boxing pretty much all my life. I, I boxed uh, a little bit in amateurs, and then uh, I uh, trained fighters for about 25 years uh, after that and had a couple boxing gyms. And one day I was asked by the uh, local com- uh, commission if I was interested in uh, refereeing. And uh, so after giving a little bit of thought, I thought, well, you know, I'll give it a try. All they do is just walk around up there. So uh, I'll check it out. But I found out uh, pretty fast that after almost 17 years of refereeing, uh, I still haven't learned uh, half of what you need to know to be a good referee. So so did you start out in the amateurs or? or... No, no, I didn't. I actually, uh, back in the day, uh, they would have amateur fights uh, around, not, not in particularly uh, uh, USA boxing type of fights, but just amateur fights and, and things like that barroom brawlers and different things. And I had got asked uh, because of my uh, boxing experience if I would referee fight. So that's really the only experience I ever had. I was a cut man and, uh, and a trainer in boxing, like I said, for 25 years prior to being a, a referee. So I really didn't have any experience. But the local commission uh, put me on, and I kind of shadowed the great uh, Bobby Ferrar from Arizona uh, for about two years, and he worked with me. And a lot of the reasons why I think I've been successful is because of the mentoring by Bobby Ferrar. So let me ask you, Wes, after 17 years of fishing, what's the best advice you ever got? Well, the best advice was uh, with actually two things. Number one is if you're going to officiate, you really need to know the rules and how to interpret the rules. Uh, the other thing that I learned was uh, from Tony Weeks, actually, which a lot of people don't know. He started his uh, his refereeing career in Arizona, and you know, of course, now he's a Hall of Famer and world class referee in Vegas. But Tony Weeks used to tell me, he goes, "You have to understand, Wes, you got to referee a fight like it's your last one, because you're only as good as your last fight in this business." So that always stuck in my mind. And I tried to make sure that I, I prepared for every fight like it was my last one. Okay. So let me ask you, that was the best advice you got. What was the worst advice you ever got? Ah, uh, worst advice. Well, you know, in boxing, as you know, Eddie, you're an you're a excellent boxing referee yourself. Uh, in our position, we get we get a lot of scrutiny. And it seems like everybody wants to tell you what they think you should have did or could have did. And as you move up the chain uh, of being a world-class referee, uh, a lot, you know, you get scrutiny not only from the boxing community, but in our business, you even got a few referees that want to tell you what you should have did and how come you didn't do that. I mean, I won't, I won't 
say any names, but, uh, you know, our business is, uh, it's a tough business. And, uh, you know, if you, if you got to take the heat, you got to get out of the kitchen. Do you do anything special to prepare for a fight? Um, my biggest thing is, especially now that I'm getting up in my years, is I try to prepare uh, physically, first of all, first and foremost. And uh, I think regardless, uh, you know, what kind of official you are, if you're not in tip-top physical shape where you can be sharp and, and be able to move and stay in the pocket and uh, keep up with the fight, you're, uh, I don't care how good you are as official. Uh, you, if you're not able to stay in the pocket and be able to, to uh, have a good view of uh, the punches, uh, I think that's first and foremost. The other thing is, is that, uh, you know, you have to prepare by watching fights. You have to look at other referees. You got to look what fighters do. Uh, you got to watch, uh, uh, you know, when they're, when they're, uh, you know, referees are doing certain things. You got to see how they, they break down uh, fights. And uh, I was able to learn from some really good people, and you probably know a lot of them, Jack Reese, California. Uh, I admire a, a few different referees as well as you in California. Uh, and, and I try to pick up as many things as I can from other referees to put in my toolbox so that would make me a, a better referee. All right, so Wes, is there any one fight that stands out more than any other? Uh, well, the fight I did last night was pretty good. <laughs> you know, we had, had two. Yeah, I had two world-class fighters in there, and as you know, uh, Latino fighters—they're uh, the—they're the—they're the toughest and hard-nosed guys out there. And you know, when they get hurt, uh, they seem to fight a little harder. So I had my hands full last night. Uh, although it was a tough fight, it was a—it was a fun fight to referee because I was able to, uh, you know, use. Uh, you know, my tools in my toolbox, and that's what you want to do. I I like to get uh, as tough a fight as I can get. Uh, that way uh, I can develop, and I can also uh, show, uh, you know, my experience. Uh, I don't particularly have one fight that really stood out to me. Uh, yeah, I did uh, a couple of years back, I did a fight in New Zealand uh, with, uh, with with Parker and Takam for a IBF uh uh, it was an IBF fight, and that was an incredible heavyweight fight of two guys, world-class heavyweights, uh, that fought hard for 12 rounds. And I remember how exhausted I was after that fight because they were so big and strong and athletic and trying to, uh, you know, make the fight where it would be a good clean fight was real tough. So you said you refereed in New Zealand. How many countries have you refereed in? Uh, seven different countries and, and five uh, different continents. So which country was your favorite to visit? Uh, probably Japan. Uh, I, I really like uh, New Zealand, but Japan, uh, the people there, the culture there uh, was incredible. And uh, I would say uh, by far Japan really stands out of being number one place for me. So what was your least favorite? You don't want to make enemies, do you? Oh, man, I don't want to hurt anybody's feelings. <laughs> you know, uh, I've had, I've been in some uh, different situations, and I, I'm not going to uh, probably answer that, Eddie. But, uh, uh, you know, wherever I go, it's such a pleasure and excitement. I, 
I referee boxing because of the passion of it, as you know. Uh, you know, and wherever I go, uh, it's an honor. It's, uh, it's, it's really a cool thing, uh, the way people respect you. Uh, you know, you can have bad nights or you're still going to get people that's going to criticize, but the positives always outweigh the negatives. And, uh, you know, just being in the fight game and being the third man in the ring is, uh, is probably the coolest thing ever. So how far advance, advance notice do they, they give you when you're going to have a, like a title fight? Well, it, it depends. Uh, you know, if, as you know, if you work for one of the sanctioning bodies, uh, they generally try to give you anywhere from two weeks to four or five days. But uh, the local commissions, especially our local commission in Arizona, how it works is that they'll just ask you if you're available for the fight, but they won't let you know and, until maybe the day before the fight if you're refereeing the main event or a world title. And uh, I can I can understand that to a de degree, but uh, in our own commission, commission, it's only usually a day or two at the very most. And like I said, if it's in a sanctioning fight uh, around the world or anywhere else, they'll give you anywhere from a couple of weeks to four or five days. When did you know you had the the Navarrete fight? I found out. Uh, I actually officially found out. Um, the day before the fight. Really? Well, I was going to say I had a pretty good idea. I was going to get it, so I prepared for it. Uh, but I didn't officially know until the day before the fight. So how did you prepare? Well, you know, knowing uh, I, I was lucky enough to referee two world titles for Oscar Valdez. And so I knew a lot about him. And normally what I do, if I get a big fight, and, and even if it's a, if it's a, uh, if it's a main event or there's some, you know, top-notch fighters, I try to do a little research, you know, get on YouTube, see if I can pull up the fighters' uh, fights, you know, by their name and try to get an idea to try to prepare myself what I'm in for. And also if I see something that uh, they do that I don't think it's proper or uh, not right, that's something I may need to warn them about. Uh, I, I would, I would, it helps me along, uh, you know, with, letting them know that and and I think that's uh, really helped me in my career so going into this fight did you have any concerns uh no not really I knew I I, uh, I knew it was going to be a roughy toughy fight uh I because of the fighters I've seen both of those fighters uh fight several times and they're true Mexican warriors and uh I knew that uh it was going to be a it was going to be a tough fight uh, because they're tough. And uh, so I just wanted to be prepared. And I made sure in my pre-fight instructions that I went to into a little more detail uh, than sometimes I normally do, uh, just to make sure that they understood what I expected from them and what they could expect from me. So going to this fight, I'm sure there's a lot of pressure on you. How do you deal with the pressure of these bigger fights? You know, I get asked that a lot. And, uh, you know, from the very first time I stepped in the ring as a pro until today, uh, I always have that little feeling inside. And I don't know if, if it's anxiety or what it is. I guess more than anything, it's the thrill. Uh, and I still got that, Eddie, and from the very first day till today. Although, 
after having as many fights I've had, um, I don't feel any pressure at all. I, uh, I feel very confident every time I walk in the ring that I'm going to do the best job I can do. And I'm usually not at all intimidated uh, about the fight. So I'd like to talk to you a little bit about the fight itself. At what point in the fight was Valdez's eye a concern for you? Well, it's always a concern when you see it start to swell where it could possibly restrict the view. Um, it got down later in the fight. I was checking on him uh, between every round. We're lucky in Arizona because we, uh, the referees don't have to pick up the scorecards, which gives us a little more time to evaluate both fighters. And once I seen his eye starting to swell, I first was, you know, noticing what they were doing. I was a cut man for 25 years. So I was concerned with what they were doing to, uh, to see if they could reduce the swelling. Uh, as it got worse uh, up until about the 10th round, I, uh, I don't like to get in the corner and interfere during the rest period with the fighters or the corner people, but it was very important to me uh, that I asked Oscar, I said, listen, listen, your eyes really swelling. Do you have any restriction and how can you see out of it? And he said, no, fine. He goes, I can see fine out of it. And it was about halfway shut by then. By the end of the 11th round, I had to start making a decision because his eye was getting close to being almost closed. I did ask him if he could see, which he said he did. I was worried about if I bring in the doctor and the doctor had said, listen, uh, I don't think he could see. I recommend you stop the fight. Then uh, we probably wouldn't have made it out of there alive. And it was already getting to be to the 12th round. So as long as he told me he could see, I didn't feel like it was necessary to bring in the doctor and that I was going to monitor that eye. And it ended up right by the end of the round where Navarrete was targeting the eye, it was completely shut right by the end of the round. So if it would have went any longer, the fight would have had to have been stopped. Did the doctors ever uh, tell you, hey, uh, I'm worried about their eye? Or, or, I mean, after each round, no. yeah, after each round, you usually tell the doctor up or down, right? At least that's what I do. You know, we're real lucky in Arizona. We have a, a, an incredible uh, doctor in Arizona. It's been with the commission for like 30 years. Uh, and he, uh, he's really good at what he does. And he trusts me a lot, uh, you know, because first and foremost, you know, we're, we're the number one defense up there of make, you know, making sure that the fighters, uh, you know, can fight another day. And that's what our main concern is, is for the fighters health. So he, they trust me. And we had a couple other, uh, new doctors who were there and, uh, they actually, after the fight, they were real concerned why that maybe I didn't call them in or to look at it. But as you know, a lot in boxing, a lot of people just like to get in the ring because they want to be on TV, Eddie. Yeah. Uh, it's not that I would never use a doctor or, I'll, uh, you know, and never disagree with what his advice would be. But uh, at that particular time, the magnitude of the fight, I was convinced that Oscar was able to see out of his eye where that it wasn't uh, restricting his view uh, and causing him uh, a possibility of getting hit there where that he couldn't see the punch. Uh, I felt pretty comfortable with if I thought any time during that last round that it was closed or he couldn't see, I would have had to stop the fight and at least bring the doctor in to examine him. That's good. All right, Wes, we have a, let's call it a question of the day. 
And this question is from TJ from Boston. And he says, I've seen in some fights, referees are interviewed post-fight. Should the judges be interviewed? What are your thoughts on that? And would you be open to it? And would you be open to it? Uh, You know, I was always told from day one from our commission, don't ever take an interview from anybody after the fight. There's a lot of legalities. There's a lot of things that go on during the fight. And if there was be any jurisdiction about the fight, something you may say about the fight could affect a problem that could come up to the, the commission. So the only way I would ever take an interview was if, if, if the commission authorized it. I don't, and I strongly believe that that's a good idea. And I, uh, a lot more for the referee because of the legalities there, uh, because we have people's life in our hands versus judging. Judging, uh, our judges are not allowed in the local commission in Arizona to do interviews uh, after the fights, uh, after the fights with, with anybody, a reporter, anybody that would be asking questions about it. I, I, so I, I disagree. I, I agree with that on both sides for referees and, and judges. There's too much problems. There's too many, too many uh, things that could happen in, 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 in litigation. Yeah. So anyway, I thought you did a great job in that fight. I, I thought it was really, really tough fight. Uh, and uh, you handled it perfectly. Well, I appreciate that, eh? Coming from you, that's a nice compliment. All right. Well, hey, we want to uh, thank you for coming on with us, especially right after the fight. You know, a lot of officials don't like to come on after a, a big fight, but you did a great job, and I, w- I would probably came, come on too. So so uh, continue the great work. <laughs> continue the great work. And you know what I was going to mention? Arizona's starting to get some really big fights coming up, aren't they? They are, and it's surprising because, you know, in Arizona we have a really good Hispanic following for boxing back to when Michael Carbohal fought here. And it always surprised me that because of the Hispanic following, all they had to do was put on some good top-notch Latinos and we're filling up arenas over here. So I was always kind of amazed that we didn't uh, get more bigger fights, uh, especially with, you know because of our Latino community that follows boxing so close. And we're starting to, you know, uh, get on the map. Uh, we were lucky to get the, uh, you know, big world title fight once a year there now. And we've already had, uh, I think this was the third one, this third or fourth one this year of a big world title fight in Arizona. And, uh, and, uh, you know, and I, and they also too, as our commission does a really good job of pre- preparing uh, all of us uh, for the fights and how to handle the fight. We got a, a good young director there that's very innovative and with some of the other different directors that it progressed our our our, our boxing uh, commission, uh, we're I think we got a really really top notch commission that we could compete with anybody in the U.S. Yeah, there's another big fight. I don't know who it is. Do you know who the big next big fight is? Or you know, I heard there's some one maybe coming up in December. Uh, you know, David Benavides is from Phoenix. Yeah, he has a huge following in, in Phoenix. Uh, I heard that uh, he, I think he's getting ready to sign with Andres. And I don't know if, yeah, uh, I heard that uh, that may be in Phoenix or possibly Las Vegas. I also heard 
that Canelo was offered some really big money to fight Benavides at the Cardinal Stadium in in, uh, in Phoenix. Wow. I uh, I don't know if that went anywhere, but I from from some pretty good sources I heard that he was offered some really big money to come and fight Benavides here. That'd be great to see, man. I'm telling you. But Egg, just want to wish you. It'll be great to. Go ahead. Go ahead. I was going to say it'd be great to referee it to Eddie. Oh yeah, man. <laughs> you'll, you'll be in the ballpark if you're, if you're over there because you're. I think you're. You're probably the top official, top top referee over there. Anyway, I've been watching you for quite a few years. De- definitely, uh, definitely one of the top. But we got some really good young guys that are coming up. Yeah, I seen some of the seen some of them yesterday. So anyway, continuous success and thanks again for coming on with us, man. We really appreciate it. It was my pleasure. All right, thanks, Wes, thanks talking both to you. you guys. All right, later. Likewise, brother. Uh-huh. Bye bye. Well, thank you, Wes, for the interview. It was good hearing you from you. Good hearing your point of view. That was a great fight. I, I really enjoyed that fight. So let's get our thoughts on the question of the day from TJ from Boston. I've seen in some fights, referees are interviewed post-fight. Should judges be interviewed post-fight? And I'm going to say they should. I think it should be every fight. Not That way you're not just singling out certain officials. Every fight, post-fight, they go into a room, they all sit down, and they answer whatever questions may be asked. Sometimes there might not be questions. Sometimes there may be questions. But I think that is a good thing to do to hold these officials accountable. Because any job you have, if you screw up, Got to answer some questions. Why is it you're not doing that with these guys? They're risking their lives. I think that you owe that to them. Well, I, I'm kind of on the opposite side of that. Uh, first of all, no other sport does it. You don't. You don't see umpires. They could screw up a game. You don't see umpires in a media room. You don't see uh, NBA officials. You don't. You don't just don't see that. So why should that be with boxing? Uh, also, there's also possible legal issues that may <coughs> apply to this. And so you're not going to have too many officials that wouldn't want to do it. And, of course, the media, they want controversy. That's what that's what they're all, all for. You know, whenever, you know, you watch watch a fight and the referee, maybe he screwed up. The first thing you do, the camera's on him. And, you know, that's when you screw up. And you think, you know, I've seen officials, I've seen referees speak after that. And, you know, they, they kind of... Sometimes they don't do too well, and because because it's just what right after it happened, you need time to think about it. You need time to maybe look at the film before you make a comment. So, uh, yeah, the media just, they want them to say something, you know, to screw them up. So they have that, that little story going on. And another, the last thing I, I would say is you're 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 having people that don't even understand the scoring system, uh, you know, asking you questions. Uh, I know that. I've watched uh, TV commentators on uh, knockdowns and points deductions. They, they, they come up with some scores that, you know, I, I heard somebody say like a 10-8. No, no, a 9-8 or a 9-7. You know, that's that's impossible scoring. So you have people like that uh, trying to tell you what you're doing wrong. So I, I'm totally against that. And uh, I would like, I would, you know, I wouldn't mind officials being held accountable but you know we're gonna have to come up with another system i I would argue that when you say no other sport does it that's true but how many other sports risk their lives every time they go in there well well, they're they're uh risking people's careers you know you got a baseball guy that you know you know maybe he's not gonna make the big contract he's gonna have you know maybe he's gonna get cut you know football 
uh, referee. Look at look at that that Ram. They had the playoff game with New Orleans many years ago, a few years ago anyway. And that referee, he got tore up, but I'm not sure if he's still refereeing. But you know, they didn't interview him, and that's probably the biggest screw up I ever seen in football. So that's just that's the way it is. I, I think they should do it. I think because one, if you don't know, you can't explain what you're doing. You probably shouldn't be doing it. And that's going to put pressure on the commission to make a decision to remove you from these fights. And if they don't remove it, then they're showing who they really are as a commission, that they don't care. And we always go to these meetings, and they're talking about we have to do what's best for boxing. I think what's best for boxing is to hold these people accountable. Well, I, again, you know, that's that's I, – I understand that part, what you're saying, but I just don't see it happening. Well, no, I don't see it happening either, but I think it should happen because that's the only way to hold them accountable. They have to answer for what they've done. Well, we're going to have to uh, agree not to agree on this one. So, anyway, well, let's uh, tell our goodbyes. Tell, thank, uh, oh, thank you, TJ, from your question from Boston. That was a good question, a controversial question, and uh, we can be arguing about this for days. <laughs> <laughs> and also, Wes. And Wes, thank you for taking your time to come on the show and talk to us. Did a great job out there. And uh, talk to you guys later. All right. Bye.